Welcome to For the Love of God with Dennis Wolf. Hey there, it's that Friday again. I don't know why this keeps happening, but we get together the end of the week, right before you go for drinks Friday night. And you may need some after we discuss what we're going to talk about today. Um, you know, I remember when COVID started and the shelters were full and we had all these problems. And then all of a sudden, the shelters were empty and everybody was adopting and we literally had empty shelters. And everyone said, oh, isn't this wonderful? The shelters are empty. We're not going to have the dog problem again. And then all of the people going for these, sorry about it, guys, poodle mixes and doodle mixes and this mix and that mix and thinking that you have a purebred dog because somebody has a name that sounds cute or stupid. Sorry, I know I'm going to make enemies, really don't care. But what happened is all of these people who bought COVID puppies have two problems. First of all, you didn't plan to go back to work, which you did. Now your dog has got severe separation anxiety. And second of all, you didn't realize that, wow, they're going to take work and they're going to have uh, issues and needs and you're going to be at work. So what happened now? Two years after the beginning of COVID, the shelters are more full than ever. Everybody's overrun with dogs. Please, if you're looking for a dog, if you have a dog, you're looking for a second one, please stop buying dogs from people who are breeding just to breed for money. Let me tell you, as a breeder of grand champion, phenomenal champions, gold grand champions, winners at Westminster, winners at the National Specialties and Hounds, take it from me. You don't make money breeding dogs if you do it right, but you do make money breeding dogs if you do it wrong. So let's just say for a minute, you decide, oh, I want to get a cute little, I want to get a doodle thing. You want to get a doodle thing because your husband has bad allergies. You don't need to go patronize somebody who's breeding subpar dogs, genetic, all a mess, like Wally Conron, who is the creator or accredited with, although I do believe cockapoos existed before he created this labradoodle, he rues the day. You can look at all the psychology today and other articles about his regrets that he created a Frankenstein monster. It's not, for me, I love all dogs. I'm not into those fluffy ones. I like dogs that I can see every muscle and every bump and, and everything on their bodies, but I love all dogs. I will not say that about people, but I love all dogs, and I love all children. So adults, you notice, were conveniently left out. Well, think about that. So what happens is when you decide, oh, I want to get a doodle thing, you can buy one, okay? But you don't realize how many of these doodle things wind up with congenital issues, megasophagus, juvenile cataract. That's one of the the things that people don't realize, you take something like a golden retriever who can get uh, a higher propensity towards juvenile cataracts, breed it to a poodle, who it's one of the few things poodles have that's not good, genetic uh, predisposition to juvenile cataracts, and there you go. You got a three-year-old doodle thing with cataracts is going blind. All right. So we have those problems. But what you're not realizing is you can have your cake and eat it too. Okay, how can you have your cake and eat it too? Well, buy two cakes. There you go. But 
if you need or or you want to have something that's low shedding or whatever, there's no such thing as hypoallergenic. That's like it's ridiculous. Air is not hypoallergenic, and we need that to breathe. But there are rescues that specialize in every combination of every just anything. You could say, I would like a German Shepherd poodle mix. I'm sure there's some lunatic who's breeding them somewhere who bred them, and people got rid of them because they were a mess, or people got rid of them because they got too big, or because they don't. There's they, even though they don't shed. Of course, they shed. They're dogs. Everything loses hair. You know, to say that things don't shed because it's hair and it's not fur, uh, we have hair. So when you're brushing your hair, you never see a piece of hair or like a thousand pieces of hair in your hairbrush. Hair, anything sheds. Heck, everything sheds. So otherwise, you would have long, beautiful eyelashes and you'd have to cut them because the eyelashes would keep growing forever. Everybody sheds. So that is a complete misnomer. And People who are charlatans who are breeding these dogs, trying to make money, they don't care about you and your family who are going to fall in love with this fluffy little fluff ball, and you're going to wind up with a dog who's either going to have health issues potentially or congenital issues, genetic predisposition to certain things, bad temperament. Not all of them, certainly not all of them, and I've met some that I actually like. Yes, you're hearing me say that. But they're few and far between because most of the dogs are extremely hyper. They have way too much energy. They have a lot of allergies, although you might not be allergic to them. They're allergic to everything. We have all kinds of predispositions to things, seizures and um, hypoglycemia and all kinds of things. So why are you going to go spend three or four or $5,000 on a, well, somebody just said this, the Golden Retriever Club. I appreciate them. They call them mongrels. And I know that's a negative connotation. I love all dogs. So to me, a mongrel is still a great dog. But the difference between the dogs that you might have had as kids, because I always had show dogs, um, Scottish Terriers, because my father loved Scotties. Um, President Roosevelt had one named Fala. And my father always loved Terriers and Scotties, and that was probably pretty apropos to the spunky, tenacious, and sometimes pretty, pretty argumentative um, if he knew he was right. And I'm blessed that I have taken after my dad on that because I don't let people push me around. And Terriers do not let you push them around. So if you say, well, I would like something that doesn't shed a whole lot and that's quiet, Probably one of those doodles is not a choice for you, but an older one that maybe has some issues or you already know the issues, maybe it's two, three, four years old and the people couldn't keep it or didn't want to keep it or kids lost interest or they moved or, you know, they just never bonded with it because it was out of control. Those dogs need homes. They really desperately need homes. It's like families who have eight children or ten children, and you have all yours natural born. That's beautiful. It's wonderful that you can do that and afford to do that for kids. But I look at it as, yes, I breed grand champion magnificent dogs, and that's why with all my dogs here, you don't hear a dog barking. You may hear one because I'm babysitting for one that belongs to my friend who was uh, very ill and was in a coma, um, and she thankfully came out of the coma, and I'm just having a wonderful day because she's definitely 
on the mend, and that makes me happy. But her dog will sometimes start barking, and he's adorable. We call him Mr. Sweet Little Dog. But he's a purebred, very well-bred, showbred Aussie. He is a sweetheart. Lots of energy. Could not fill my house with them. But when you do have a dog, you have to think about the activity level. So if I were a 90-year-old or 80-year-old woman who, and I'm 90 or 80, I assure you, I will still be able to handle anything. But an older person or a person who's quiet and calm, doesn't go out a lot, that's not really the perfect situation for a dog who might be a higher energy and higher maintenance dog. By the way, those doodle things, you better have a bankroll because they need to be brushed out at least bare minimum once a week. Some need it every day. And you, have you gone to a groomer lately? You're going to be paying probably between 75 and sometimes $150 or more, depending on where you live, for monthly grooming. So you better have some money if you're going to pay for them. You also better get some insurance on them, health insurance, because a lot of them have a lot of issues. So I'm not telling you not to get one. I'm telling you, instead of spending two, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 on one of these things, go to your local rescue shelter. You, everybody can go on Google, search near you or search available dogs. There are poodle rescues. And by the way, you know, Standard poodles, the convenient thing about standard poodles, you can give them any cut with their fur that you want. So we have several beautifully bred standard poodles, and those standard poodles, honestly, we can cut them to look like poodle mixes. So if we're going to do that and we're going to have a poodle mix, well, we can cut it like a poodle, and other than the fact that it would probably be pretty ugly, um, that poodle mix could be cut to look like a poodle. You can make those little fluff balls on their butt cheeks and on the end of their tail and around their ankles, which, by the way, all of that is specifically cut and specifically done to keep the kidneys warm, which is what's over the on the back, uh, just ahead of the hip bones, the kidneys. So those, those fluff pat- patches are actually serving a great purpose. It's around the joints to keep the joints warm in the cooler weather. And it's also done uh, beyond that. It's done to make sure that uh, the dogs um, can cool their bodies down and dry quickly when they get out of the water, yet their joints are protected. So did you know that? That is why poodles have the poodle cut. But you don't have to cut them in a poodle cut. You can cut them in a puppy cut, and they look like doodle things. But the difference is that if you go to an AKC show breeder of merit, you will pay probably less than you will for one of these mixed breed designer disasters, or as Wally Conron said, the Frankenstein monsters, or as the Golden Retriever Association said, mongrels. You will be paying a lot less. And guess what? You'll be saving a life. So the person who has, and and I have a friend who has eight children, but three of them aren't hers. She adopted them. So she has a beautiful family, and she loves each and every one of them the same. And I understand that because I have, like with my dogs, I have my dogs who I bred and created, who I've owned and created their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, great-great-great-great-great, et cetera. And then I have two that I purchased from a good friend. So they weren't 
born in my house. They're adopted. But I actually love the one more than I love even my other two that came from my babies. So think about adopting. And think about also if you have a dog with separation anxiety, bring your dog with you. Maybe it's time for a second dog. Let's clear the shelters out, but let's stop letting these people who are breeding garbage with bad health stop patronizing them because they're going to keep doing it. It's like a petulant toddler and you keep giving him what he wants so that he'll shut up, but then he gives you more and you got to give him something better and better and better until he turns into one of these people, um, you know, like a, we used to joke about Paris Hilton, although I think she's kind of straightened herself out, but when they had that Simple Life show and they were just these spoiled rich kids. So, you know, that's what you're going to be creating in your dog. Why not go to somebody or even check into Facebook and see if any of your friends, if you're interested in a dog or a puppy, reach out to people who you trust who have well-behaved dogs and say, hey, where'd you get your dog? Because these dogs, you can actually find a fair amount of them um, on different websites and Pet Finder and all that. And there are a lot of different websites. There are some great rescues. And I tell people, actually, the best thing, in my opinion, is find a rescue you work with well. Um, There's a fantastic rescue that we work with up in New York State. Uh, Not too far up. It's lower New York State. And this place shows up. Their people come every week for our group training. We do a lot of things all pro bono for rescue and shelter dogs. And it's really amazing the difference that these dogs can can come through. Um, and the one that I know I'm going to see, they've had seven different obedience trainers, different types of trainers, seven. And when they when I spoke with the uh, lady who was in charge of the rescue, she was telling me that they, you know, made little progress, but the dog is still fear aggressive and can attack other dogs. I'm like, well. To me, if you've had seven different trainers, you ought to get your money back for seven different trainers because if somebody's, if you're spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, there better be some kind of results. And it doesn't sound like there were. That's what I'm going to talk about today is how you can get results. And think about if you're getting another dog or if this is your first dog or if, God forbid, you've lost a dog recently like I have. Um, you can go to a, a rescue, a shelter, and the cool thing and the thing I love most about rescue dogs is that rescue dogs all look different, except those doodle things. They all look the same and different color, but it's, you can't tell what's underneath the, the fur. But um, the idea being, think about what you're looking for, what size you want, what color you want. I mean, don't get crazy, but if you can go to your local maybe one or two good rescues. And there are some really bad rescues and there's some really, really good rescues. The good rescues will work with you like as if you were going to an adoption agency. The good rescues will be the ones who will tell you, well, we have this dog, but this isn't going to be the right dog for you because we know the temperaments of the dog. If you go to a shelter, which is also a fantastic option, And I work with uh, four different New York uh, shelters, and I can't even count how many New Jersey ones, but a lot of them. Um, And 
the rescues are usually, especially if it's a first-time dog owner, the rescue groups are actually a little bit easier because you have dogs that are in a home already. Most of these rescue groups, and they it's cute because some of them brag about it. They go, well, we're all foster-based, so your dogs or the dogs we have here are never in a cage in a place. That's because they can't afford the place. But it's honestly better if you can find a foster-based group that will work with you and ask people and look on, you know, Yelp and Facebook and see how many stars they have. People say, well, what does it matter? I'm getting a dog. I'm not, like, buying a car. But if they give you a dog, and how about if that dog is aggressive and they don't know it because the dog was only there for a week? Remember, dogs go through a two-month, sometimes more than that, but usually two-month honeymoon period. It's the same thing as when you're dating your spouse before they become your spouse, your first two months, you don't put your hand up near your nose for fear they're going to think you're picking your nose. You, If you have to pass gas, you will go to the ladies' room or the men's room. Uh, well, men, you guys just kind of let it rip because that's this effective Y chromosome part at work. But anyway, the funniest part of it is you guys go through everything to not let people see who you are that first two months. And then once you kind of get closer, you let your guard down. Well, same exact thing happens when you have a dog from coming from a shelter or rescue, even a puppy. They give you typically somewhere between, and depends on how dominant or aggressive the dog had been previously, usually the dog will give you anywhere from a few days to a couple of weeks and potentially to two months. And it's looking and it's watching you in a very physical way. It's going to see where you walk, what you do, how high you, you know, if you, are you going upstairs, you're sleeping up and you're giving the dog a spot down? Are you having the dog up on the cabinets or on the counter? Or is the dog going on the back of the furniture, on a sofa or a couch? So that's the things that the dog is going to be looking at. And if the dog finds that in his estimation and his little dog language, of dog and ease, if he has, in his estimation, more things that make him or more boxes that he checks off as being in charge versus being uh, the, the child, he's going to think, I must be the parent. I must be the provider and protector. This must be my job to do these things because they're not doing them. So what are some of the things that a dog can misinterpret? Well, one of them, it's very easy, is who goes through a door first? Now, you've had your obedience trainer say you have to go through the door first, but they don't explain why. Maybe they don't know why, but there's a reason. I'm going to tell you that. If you had a two-year-old child and you knew there was a coyote or a bear outside or a copperhead snake or, or whatever, put whatever danger there could be, and would, you, know, you have a two- or three-year-old child, would you ever let that child walk out the door first and get eaten by a bear? or a coyote, or attacked by a vulture, or whatever it is? No, I would hope not. You wouldn't do that. Why wouldn't you do that? Because you know your job is to go out there to make sure it's safe for that toddler to be able to go outside. You make sure they're not going to fall. You make sure they're not going to step on something. You make sure they have shoes or sneakers so that if they step on something sharp, that they're safe. Well, that same exact feeling 
of what a toddler looks at you to be in charge and to do the right thing and protect the child. The same thing happens with a dog. So a dog will watch, and some dogs that are really smart will watch, and after a few days, they'll be like, huh, okay, I get it. I'm in charge. And some of them will take like a really good dog, like maybe like a beagle or like a houndy kind of dog that are typically calmer, better dogs. They might, some of them are barkers, but I think barking is a little better than attacking people or trying to kill your toddler. Um, but the idea, again, being that your dog is watching you, like the Michael Jackson um, song that was with that other guy, like somebody's watching me. I always feel like somebody's watching me. Well, your dog is watching you. And a lot of times my patients, I can sit there, and obviously the patients are the dogs, the clients are the humans. The patients are watching the clients. So the dogs are watching the humans to see how they're reacting. And if the human becomes fearful or anxious, or as my husband, police captain, uh, used to always say, um, in charge of 443 men um, and a couple ladies, my husband always used to call it stutter stepping. And if you're working with a dog who has any kind of aggression or fear issues, you stutter step, you're going to get bitten or something's going to happen. So when the dog sees you and you walk into the vet's office and you stutter step, you kind of like pause and you're not confident, the dog knows instantly, "Uh uh-oh, okay, I got to take over because knucklehead isn't confident. And so that must mean I have to take over because he's not. So all of these things happen in a dog's mind, which you didn't know they did. And because you didn't know it, you didn't know how to deal with it. Well, I'm teaching you that now. So stutter stepping or pausing or insecurity, inadequacy, um, uncertainty in you, your dog anxiety, your dog will pick up in you and the dog will maybe react. That's why most veterinarians, will take the dog in the back to examine it and take the dog in the back for blood draws and for other things. And you guys worry, oh, no, why is they, what are they taking away? What, what's in the back that's, that you can't show me? Oh, my gosh, what are you doing back there? Well, that's why they're, they don't need you there, okay? <laughs> because as soon as the dog, your dog starts feeling your insecurity or your uncertainty, the dog starts reacting differently, and that's how people get bitten by dogs. People like vet techs and people like veterinarians and people who are working in rescues and shelters. One uncertain person can ruin a whole group. It's the same thing as having dogs who um, have you know, not been neutered or spayed, um, and the hormones in them can set off a dog park full of un, uh, uh, full of altered dogs that have been neutered or spayed. But yes, so there is a reason for that because the hormones that are produced are felt by everybody, even a woman who is that time of the month or a very hormonal guy who is um, on testosterone or a woman who is trying to have a baby and is on a lot of estrogen supplementation to hold the pregnancy potentially, or encourage the pregnancy, all of those situations, because their hormones, testosterone and estrogen are, and progesterone are almost identical, if not identical, in many animals, 
um, and humans. That's why the Premarin, which was a, a very commonly prescribed uh, medication for women, Premarin is named for pregnant mare urine, P-R-E, pre- pregnant, M-A for mare, M-A-R-E, a female horse that's over three years of age, three years or older, and I-N from urine. So pregnant mare urine is Premarin. So you're going to, that's the same thing. So they're giving pregnant mare urine goes and becomes uh, a, a hormone treatment for women, humans. So yes, I know it sounds really gross. Some of you may stop taking that forever after my explanation, but that's where it comes from. So if your dog has issues and you neuter it or you spay it and the dog has issues with, let's say, other male dogs, even if your dog is neutered and there's another dog who's not, your dog is going to potentially turn into whatever it would have done if it had the testosterone in its brain and in its body. may not be quite as bad, but it's got to be there. So, again, I think for today, because we're in a break in a few minutes, I think for today what I want everybody to think about is let's clear the shelters out again. If you want a doodle thing, I have no problem with that. I think everybody should be able to have what they want as long as it doesn't hurt animals or children or people who can't protect themselves or take care of themselves. I think otherwise, kind of everything is is okay. But we really have to think about that. Why are you going to go buy a puppy and instead you're going to go spend a lot of money I would rather if you would think about, again, I'm not telling you what to do. I want you to think about how cool it would be to be able to go and maybe for a few hundred dollars instead of several thousand dollars, you can go and you can get what exactly what you want, whatever mix of combination of whatever you want, you can get them. You'll have one, sometimes you'll be able to get them young as puppies, but you'll be able to see more what the adult personality is. And when people say, and it's usually really, really inept people, really, really uninformed and misguided people, will say, well, you know, if you get it from a puppy, uh, if I get a puppy, you know, that I know I can train it and it won't be ruined like all those other dogs at the shelter. Well, if you have that attitude, which a lot of people do have, unfortunately, you think that the dogs at the shelter weren't trained or not trained or untrained by people who are just like you who thought they knew how to do it. Listen, I've seen dog trainers, pretty decent dog trainers, screw dogs up. I have seen people mess dogs up to such a degree that it was hard for me to even fix them as a behaviorist because people don't understand that you can't intimidate a dog. You can't threaten a dog. You shouldn't be using a shock collar, air horns, prong collars, pinch collars, choker chains, squirting them, screaming at them, kicking them. Why would you do that? If you have that kind of a personality, stay the hell away from anything alive, meaning children, uh, adults, and any kind of animal, because that is just wrong on so many levels. So I want you to think about rescuing thinking of saving a life, adopting a puppy, adopting an older dog, adopting whatever you want. Don't settle. If you want one that's black and white, 
and there's no black and white ones, then wait a week. Remember, the biggest problem that everybody does is they go, oh, we're so spontaneous is a good word, right? We're not. We're, we're overzealous and we're not thinking. We're doing stupid things without thinking it through. That's how people get themselves into trouble because they just think, oh, that sounds like a good idea. And instead of thinking it through where they would say, well, that was a really dumb idea because um, somebody's going to come after me and sue me and then I'm going to have, um, you know, no money and I'm going to have a more of a criminal record. You, instead of thinking that to yourself, you go, oh, I will never get caught because I should have been a cop because I'm an idiot. Well, guess what? If you're that person, <laughs> I'm going to have really a lot of fun watching yourself destruct but you know what? If you're that kind of person, please don't get a living creature. Please don't lie about your dog being a service dog when it's not. Please don't, you know, take on a challenge of a dog who isn't the right dog for you because it's not going to work. And all that's going to happen is you're going to hurt harmless, innocent animals. And I think that's about the worst thing you can do. We are going to take a break for a minute. And then we're going to come back with From Shelter Dog to Service Dog. Do not go away. I know where you live. We'll be right back. Well, we are going to be talking about how we can clear out the shelters. We did talk a little bit about that, actually a lot, in the first segment because we're starting to see the same problems that arose when people were buying these doodles and mixes and all kinds of things or poorly bred dogs. And the reason I separated out, people say, oh, you're such a show snob. Yeah, I am. You know why? There's nothing wrong with that because my dogs and the people who are breeding to better the breed, it costs us so much money. We have uh, one particular dog, over $100,000 of showing in her. Now, granted, we were getting uh, donations in for her when she would show and she would win, which she did all the time. But if let's say you put $25,000 into a dog showing it, and then the father, let's say, has $50,000 into it for showing it. So you have $75,000. How many puppies, how many litters do you have to have to get your money back? A lot. And that's just showing. How about food and vets? and the transportation and travel. So that's why when people are breeding to better their breed, they're breeding purebred, well-bred dogs. They have, like what we do, hips checked, elbows, thyroid, bear, surf, sometimes von Wildebrand's disease, lots of different things, um, different congenital issues. The reason that breeders, which is what I call a legitimate, reputable show breeder of merit, Breeders are concerned about making sure that their temperaments are good, that their health and longevity is good, that they're making better dogs next generation than the last generation. That is what is with purebred, well-bred dogs. So even if you go and you get a pure, quote-unquote, purebred dog, but you buy it from, you know, somebody in Pennsylvania or Ohio or whatever who's not a show breeder but who's a puppy mill, Sometimes you get lucky and sometimes they're, you know, they're okay. But a lot of times you wind up with issues because they're puppy mills. And there's actually a lot more people lately who are even living in apartment buildings or have a ramshackle storefront 
and they're breeding dogs in a garage or in a in a confined area. And they wash the puppies and they dump the puppies at five weeks before they're really even eating solid food or maybe just starting to eat a little bit of food. By six weeks of age, they're gone. They do whatever they do with the mother. And then after the mother comes in heat again, six months later, they start again. They breed her again. She has puppies. They take the puppies. They stick her wherever. She comes back into heat. And they will keep breeding every six months. Literally every six months, they will breed dogs until the mother is too old to get pregnant, and which time they either euthanize them, give them away, which is usually what they do, dump them on the street, something lovely like that. So when you go and you buy a doodle or you buy a poorly bred dog from some backyard puppy mill breeder, that's what you are encouraging. You're encouraging them to keep breeding the same crap or breeding the same poor mother and a father who might, and they might be matted and disgusting, but people don't see that. They don't think about that. So you go and you buy your puppy that you're getting, you know, you're paying three or four, $5,000. There's no health checks. The dog can have a liver shunt. It can have megastophagus. It can have, you know, misformed, malformed body parts. It can have all kinds of things wrong. And you don't know because it's a cute, fluffy little puppy, but then the thing grows up and it either turns into a behavioral nightmare or a physical nightmare. I've seen, I think the record was a dog had Giardia, Coccidia, it had, um, I'm trying to remember, it didn't have Lyme, but it had like five different really tough bacteria or, or infections, um, and the puppy was about seven weeks old. So they bought it from this place. They drove, I think, out to Ohio. They came back, and the puppy had all kinds of issues. It's on special food now. It has extremely, extremely weak immune system. And this poor thing, I mean, it's very cute. It's very sweet, so they got lucky with temperament. They've spent, I won't even say thousands. It's probably $10,000, thousands on thousands on thousands of dollars on this dog because it was so poorly bred and so poorly raised. And a lot of times behavioral issues come from the mother, can come from the father, but it usually comes from the mother. And the more severe issues come from when the neural tube is forming at about the first trimester, which is the first three weeks comparable to a woman's being three months. And then the first three weeks of the puppy in utero, so in other words, while it's developing inside the mother in her uterus, that puppy, if it, if the mother is exposed to any kind of things like a weakened immune response, let's say the mother is, you know, has, let's say, gets some kind of disease or she's got really bad fleas or ticks uh, or if she's exposed to chemicals or pesticides or if she's eating wood or paint because she's trying to gnaw her way out of a puppy mill place. You don't know all those things. So when you get that puppy at six or eight weeks of age and you paid all that money and they clean it up and throw some perfume on it so it doesn't stink, you don't know what you've gotten. You have no idea. The problem is that you're patronizing these people and you're encouraging them to keep breeding more. But we already know, we talked about for a half hour in the first segment about how hard it is to 
to, you know, just to get a dog. Now it's very easy to get a dog. So during COVID, everybody got a dog. All the people who had dogs are getting rid of these dogs now. And there's a lot of these poodle mixes and different kinds of mixes and pug pug beagles. And I'm sure there's a pug poodle somewhere. God only knows what that would look like. But, you know, dogs are great. And dogs do what dogs do because they're dogs. But if you have a, a puppy who is exposed in utero to toxins and chemicals, or a lot of stress, if, if the mother was under a great deal of stress, that's another thing, because if the mother was um, exposed to the stress, when the puppies are inside, um, what will happen is that the um, chemicals that are going to um, be coursing through the puppies in utero they are going to start being, well, for lack of a better way to say it, they're going to be mentally retarded or will have behavioral issues. They can have aggression. They can have fear. They can have a combination. They can have everything. They can have so many, so many, so many problems. And, you know, it's just really um, a very scary thing for a puppy. And then so you get this cute little puppy and you don't know what's going on. So that's really where if you want to potentially have um, something that is, you know, going to be great, um, you can go and you can find actually uh, dogs who are already either, you know, a few months old, maybe six months, a year, whatever, but you'll find them and you'll find a lot of them for really, really inexpensive. And you'll also find a lot of people wanting to get rid of puppies or getting rid of them because everybody buys it for Christmas for their children. And then by Valentine's Day, they're like, eh, well, they're over. Oh, I didn't say I wanted to walk this thing. I don't want to feed it. I want to go watch TV. I want to go play with my friends. So don't buy a dog for kids because the kids want the dog because assume that whatever it is, you are going to be taken care of. So if you're not willing to take care of, you know, your puppy and your dog as it gets older, um, just for you to know, you're probably going to have um, a lot of work and you're going to also, um, you know, probably be pulling your hair out. So, again, one of the, you know, easiest things to do, I think, is to just go and rescue Go find a great dog who is, you know, in need of, um, you know, a good home. And, you know, it's just a really, really great thing. Um, it's the best thing I think you can do is save a life. Adopt. Adopt a child. Adopt an animal. Because they're already out there and they're just waiting for somebody to love them. All right. So I'm getting off my soapbox long enough to get on my soapbox again about something else, dog foods, dog foods and treats. I have seen more overweight or morbidly obese dogs now than I have ever seen. We're, now, granted, we had a winter, not that it was that terrible, but we did have a winter. And I think one of the fun things that you should probably think about that you can do with a dog is going places, going hiking, becoming more active yourself. So yes, dogs need to be walked. 
guess what? Cats don't. So if you want to get overweight and heavy yourself, then get a cat because that cat's going to sit around like my friend's Hamilton, my friend's cat, Hamilton, who was like, I don't know, 36 or 38 pounds or some crazy number. And, you know, he doesn't do anything. He's a big, fat cat, enormous. Um, but with a dog, they've got to go out. They like to go. They like to move. So if you maybe don't exercise or go out as much as you should, a dog is a great thing. It's cheaper than a gym membership. And you can take the dog out. And if you're single, listen, nothing better to catch women or catch a guy, maybe guy, not, this isn't the one you wanted, but there's nothing easier to pick, like as a pickup, than there is for having a cute dog or something that's a very different dog. But the key, I think, is that people have to start looking at what they're going to do um, and what you're looking to get out of things, right? You have to figure, what are you going to get out of this? And if you're looking for basically, you know, a buddy, a pal, you know, you're looking at something, I would say, look for, you know, some kind of um, dog that can take a little bit of exercise, but that doesn't need a massive amount. That's why I love the Ridgebacks, because the Ridgebacks, or these in Ridgebacks, um, you can really kind of use them to go places and, you know, hike with them because they're really good at that. But they're great if it's a rainy day and you don't feel like hiking or like I had one client who um, had a really nice dog. Um, and But the problem was they turned it into an Olympic athlete. It was, I believe it was a border collie mix of something. It was a rescue, very pretty dog. I just don't remember the combination in it. Um, and the, when he broke his shoulder, cause he was a weightlifter and he broke his shoulder, all of a sudden he wasn't going out. And, you know, weightlifters a lot of times have, um, a fair amount of muscle, extra muscle, and even a little bit of fat around their middle, which supports them as they're lifting. Not all of them, but some do. And so he was taking this dog, uh, originally out all over the place. Well, then he broke his shoulder and he was in the house and the dog was just destructive and whining and just not really, you know, having a whole good, um, <laughs> well, what do I say? Not having a good old time. And this dog, unfortunately, was one of those, um, you know, very high energy dogs. So you want to make sure that that doesn't happen to you, right? We don't want you to have a dog who is an Olympic athlete and now you've got to go and, you know, look, you know, for things to do and places to go so that you can entertain your dog. I mean, usually we don't want to do that, right? So I think the best thing for everybody is to think about your lifestyle. Think about perhaps what you are looking for. Are you looking for a hiking buddy? Are you looking for a dog who's going to be just a, a snuggler? Are you looking for a little dog because you have a weight restriction in your condo? Are you looking for a dog that has long, beautiful hair that you can brush because you really wanted a girl, even though you've got six boys? Um, I Actually, there's a lady, she has five sons, and she got herself a Maltese, and she brushes its hair every day, like Probably excessively, honestly. 
But she said, I always wanted a little girl um, that, you know, would be able to, you know, let me brush her hair. And so she got a Maltese and that dog loves to be groomed. So, you know, look at what you're looking for. Like, try to think ahead. What is it that you would like? And find those qualities and then look up some of the rescue groups and go and ask people. And people say, oh, well, you know, what does it matter what rescue? But if you have a rescue that you have a problem, I know several phenomenal, actually quite a few phenomenal rescues that will watch that dog, make sure it's okay, you know, no problems at all. Um, some of them will even pay for behavioral help. Like I've had a few of them that will pay me uh, to go and work with the dogs, the private dogs. So that's why rescues are great. Now, if you buy a poodle mix or a whatever it is that you want to buy, that's fine. Get it. But, you know, you know, make sure that when you're uh, figuring out what kind of dog you want, Make sure that it's going to fit in, not just for that day and not just for that month or year, but think about what's going to happen. If you're going to get your kids a dog and the kids, the youngest is 16, well, um, if that 16-year-old doesn't go to community college or just doesn't stay home with you the whole time, you are going to have that dog till that child's probably 26 to 32, maybe, depending on what breed or combination you get. So if you're thinking of, oh, when the kids leave the house, we're going to just be able to vacation and travel and it's going to be so nice. Oh, we have a dog. And then what happens, right? You have to take the dog either to doggy daycare or pay a lot of money to board it. Uh, and dog might need to be groomed constantly. And people don't take all of that into consideration. People instead are very capricious and very ethereal, and they're like, oh, this is a great thing. I'm going to do this, when it really wasn't a good idea, but you didn't give it thought. At least, if you want to get a dog, think about potentially fostering. That's another great, great way. If you foster, just like fostering a child, if you're able to foster a dog, find yourself a good rescue with good marks, that's done a lot, a fair number of dogs, not just one dog and not, you know, a place that's churning them out. I will tell you, most rescues are hoping you will be a foster failure. I know you might have heard that, but maybe you don't know what it is. A foster failure is when somebody fosters a dog for a rescue group or sometimes shelter, but usually rescue group. And then when, um, you know, you've got the foster dog or cat, you can see if that animal fits in your lifestyle. You can see if that personality is going to click with yours. You can kind of know a little bit more. And if you don't want to keep the dog or the cat, then you just tell the rescue, like, okay, we need, you know, I'm going to foster, but I'm definitely not interested in adopting this animal because then they will find a home for it. And maybe you'll foster again same rescue, maybe a different rescue, and maybe that dog will work out. So that's really, I would say, the best thing that you could possibly do. Um, and, you know, again, the key here is making sure that you're doing the right thing for the right reason and that you're getting the right dog 
for your lifestyle. Think ahead, you know, dogs you don't just get and then you go, oh, we'll get rid of it when we're done with it. No. If you're going to get that dog and you're going to commit to that dog, you are going to be responsible and you should be responsible for that animal no matter what. But if you're not, then find a home and don't dump this dog in the shelter. Don't dump it on the streets. Don't do that. You have a responsibility. And if you're a good person, chances are that you're going to do the right thing. Well, I can't even believe it. Time flies so fast on Friday evenings, but we're almost done with the show. If anybody would like to have uh, additional questions asked and answered on uh, our show, we're happy to do that. Um, You can actually reach out to me via BBS radio, and BBS will be able to forward messages to me. You can also email us. Um, I think I've given that information out, but you can find all that information on BBS Radio. Please also make sure that you're taking good care of your dog. You're not overfeeding them. You're starting exercise slowly for you and for your dog. And make sure you have an absolutely wonderful, wonderful weekend. It's supposed to be not too bad, a little bit of rain. So go out and enjoy yourself. Start getting healthy. Get some exercise. And enjoy your dog. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. God bless everyone. Take care. 